this is Base Layer, brought to you by Arca. I'm your host, David Nage. This is Base Layer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. Welcome back to Base Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode with Loy, the CEO and co-founder of Kyber Network. Kyber Network is a project that I've been watching for quite some time. It effectively is a decentralized liquidity network that powers instant and seamless inter-token transactions between platforms, ecosystems, and other use cases. Why we did we talk is because effectively there's a difference between centralized exchanges like Coinbase, Binance, and then some of the other rapidly growing projects in what is called DeFi, open finance, like Uniswap, Oasis, BlockFi, and then DEXs like DYDX, which was on the show recently. There's this idea of capital market efficiency and how the pieces of centralized exchanges and decentralized pieces, as I mentioned before, are not really talking very well. And so is there a way, um, effectively, you know, with Kyber, they have created something where the protocol allows for a wide range of implementation possibilities for liquidity providers to basically contribute the liquidity, including end users, decentralized exchanges, and other decentralized pro- protocols all in one place. And then on the taker side, the end user, the, the wallets and the smart contracts are able to perform instant and trustless token trades at the best rates available amongst the sources. We talked about how this is relation to, you know, for people who are familiar with Bloomberg, for instance, where you would go on and you would say, okay, I want to have all of my liquidity providers and I want to RFQ. I want to say this is my request for quote. And then on Bloomberg, they would also do something, the Bloomberg fair value. And so they would look at all the different liquidity providers and they would kick out the outliers, the ones that were obviously you know, just not providing the the right type of price, and then you would get your Bloomberg fair value. And so in many ways, they're doing something similar. And so this is, you know, kind of bringing the old traditional world into this new world of decentralized finance. And so we talked about that. We also talked about something called, again, we've talked about this before, about atomic swaps and how that happens here. Uh, And then we talked about wrapped Bitcoin WBTC. And then we also talked about their governance. And so they are moving forwards to a more of a decentralized governance procedure, a DAO, if you will. Lots of things here, really interesting stuff. Remember, nothing on base layer is investment advice, so please do your own research. And on the flip side, you're going to hear a great conversation with Loy, the CEO and co-founder of Kyber Network. Enjoy. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. I have Loy, the CEO and co-founder of Kyber with me today. Loy, how are you? Hey, hey, David. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm good, yeah. Good. Really excited to have you on. Kyber is a company and project in the ecosystem that uh, a lot of people use and a lot of people speak very highly of. Kyber Network is an on-chain liquidity protocol that powers decentralized applications, including exchanges, funds, lending protocols, payment wallets, and many other things. And so it's been around for a few years, um, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this conversation to talk about what they are doing there. Um, So what we'd like to do on the show is focus 
not right away into what the company or the project is doing, but a little bit about you, um, just to get a sense of how you came into this world. And so for those that don't know, Loy has a pretty, uh, pretty good amount of experience in the space. Um, you know, as I said, Kyber was started over two years ago. Um, but before that, he was also um, a researcher at the National University of Singapore, um, focused on security systems and programming languages. And so, again, very highly experienced from the academic side. When did you have this moment of epiphany that you wanted to build something within digital assets, within crypto and blockchain? What about the the overall innovation and technology really resonated with you to say, okay, this is why I want to build this? Right. So I think, um, you know, my journey, um, you know, with cryptocurrency and blockchain research uh, started way back in, I think, early 2014. Uh, you know, back then I was doing research on applied cryptography, right? And and I wanted like, to find some some area where, you know, the academic research really can make some immediate impact, right? Uh, and then I saw uh, Bitcoin. Uh, and, and then I think back then Ethereum was just announced as well. Um, and I and I and I found it like you know super interesting because you know this is the the the, the only area that could um, basically it it includes you know applied cryptography, economic and and game theories and many other interesting topics, right? And and then and then people can just like freely play with it. It's it's open. Anyone can join. And if you have any you know research result. You can you can uh, you can easily like you know advertise it to the share it with the entire community and discuss it freely and it can even like make the changes like directly right so then you know I got interested and then I started um, you know deeply uh, involved uh, being more involved in 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 the research um, so I, I I started like working full time as a researcher uh, uh, on cryptocurrency. Um, mainly um, doing research on how to uh, scale up the public blockchain, how to make you know public smart contract more secure and things like that. Um, over the years, um, you know, we we started a few open source and nonprofit projects. Um, one of that is how to uh, check whether your smart contract is is safe uh, and it's not vulnerable to known smart contract bugs, right? And and we release a, a public tool for people to check that. Um, and then uh, slowly we, we, we saw that people are issuing more asset on Ethereum um, and, and, and a lot more uh, interesting, you know, class of asset as well being introduced on Ethereum. Um, so we we started, you know, um, uh, asking ourselves like, you know, what's, what are the interesting application that could be run using smart contract, right? And then back then, um, I think the main use case of cryptocurrency is not really the main use case, but like, you know, the things that people talk a lot uh, more uh, than many others, right? Uh, in cryptocurrency is the trading use case. Um, and then you started hearing about, you know, the hacking incidents in which uh, HNDs, central HNDs, they, they lost, you know, uh, hundreds of millions of US dollars yeah, in, in cryptocurrency when they get hacked and, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of people get impacted and things like that, right? right. So um, so we asked you know ourselves whether we can use public blockchain to solve the trading use case or the trading issues uh, for cryptocurrency itself, right? Um, so we you know started 
in recussing between uh, ourselves for a few months. Uh, and I think in in around like you know the second quarter of 2017, we uh, we figure out uh, we figure out the solution uh, that was the uh, foundation for for you know what we have in in Kyber today. Got it. And so, what we're trying to do these days is that we want to make this world of digital assets, of blockchains, of crypto a little bit more palatable for people who are not crypto native. We want to use terminologies. We want to be able to explain something in a more simple fashion so the technology doesn't necessarily get in the way of adoption. So if you had to explain what Kyber is to someone with little technology background, how would you do it? Um, so this is for, sorry, so this is for Kyber or, or for blockchain in general? For Kyber. Okay, so for Kyber, I would say uh, a, a very simple explain, explanation could be, uh, you know, it's a, it's an open and trustless marketplace for people to buy and sell cryptocurrency uh, in a fully, you know, transparent and secure manner, right? Um, so what that means is that, you know, it's open, anyone can join, it's trustless, people don't have to trust any middleman, people don't have to trust the counterparty, uh, and it's secure, right? Like no one can hack into the system and, uh, and, and, and steal the user asset there. Yeah. Right. So with the differences between what is being developed within the digital asset framework, there are centralized exchanges, which are now kind of being called sexes, C-E-X-S, like Coinbase, Binance. And now with the rapid growth of DeFi platforms like Uniswap, Oasis, all the way to the lending facilities like BlockFi, and then to some of the DEXs, which we've had on the show, like DYDX, which people can look back onto a few weeks ago. The overall capital markets of digital assets is disparate and poorly interconnected. You mentioned trading on centralized exchanges is not compatible with DeFi applications since it is technically infeasible to bridge between decentralized applications and centralized servers without compromising the trust model. Can you unpack that a little bit more and what does that mean? Right. So I think what that means is that um, you know all the De- most of the DeFi application they run on the public blockchain, right? They run on the smart contract. Um, and you can just imagine that it's just a different layer where all the DeFi applications are running there, right? And now you have a, another layer that is, uh, you know, all the centralized changes uh, are, are running, right? Basically, it's the internet layer, right? So um, the communication between the blockchain layer and the, and the centralized servers uh, for centralized chains layer is not trustless, right? If you want the DeFi application to use some centralized exchanges, then there needs to be some trust uh, to facilitate um, the the flow of the asset between the DeFi application and the centralized exchanges. So that essentially breaks the trust issues, right? The the, the trust is, uh, assumption that DeFi application have. Um, so that's why um, that's why um, we we mentioned it many times that you know, DeFi application, they really need some on-chain. That means some on-blockchain, uh, you know, uh, decentralized chain this, right? Mm-hmm. They they cannot, you know, they are not compatible uh, for, you know, to centralized chain this. Got it. 
And so let's keep digging into this a little bit more. The protocol, and this is from uh, some of your writings, the protocol allows for a wide range of implementation possibilities for liquidity providers, allowing a wide range of entities to contribute liquidity, including end users, decentralized exchanges, and other decentralized protocols. On the taker side, end users, cryptocurrency wallets, and smart contracts are able to perform instant and trustless token trades at the best rates available among the sources. So in traditional finance, the place where I came from before getting into digital assets a few years back and where many family offices and institutional investors who listen to the show are coming from, we had applications in the capital markets like a Bloomberg terminal. And one of the tools for traders and asset allocators with that is the ability to bring all liquidity providers into one screen and then RFQ, request for quote. And in addition, Bloomberg would provide what they defined as a Bloomberg fair value. So they would look at all of the quotes coming in. They would kick out the outliers that were basically superlious and not really meant to be there. They were just fishing. And then they would come up with a fair value which was basically all price quotes, as I mentioned, plotted in a standard deviation curve to find the price that was in the middle of the bell. So the best price and the effective, you know, was, you know, there and everything else got kicked out, as, as I mentioned before. Is that one of the functions that Kyber is working towards? Um, I think it's pretty similar. Um, but I would say that the main difference is that uh, here, the Bloomberg terminal in Kyber is, is run entirely on the smart contract. And it's trustless, so that means you know people don't have to trust. Uh, you know people don't have to 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 blindly trust on um, you know how the terminal operates, right? They can always verify it. Um, and 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 secondly, you know all the market makers uh, they only need to do, to talk to the smart contract, right? And it's free, it's open uh, at any time. Anyone can just set up the smart contract and. Um, and, and start market making and connect uh, to 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 Kyber smart contract to be part of the network. Um, and um, you know the the Kyber smart contract um, will also se- select the best price for the for the taker, right? Uh, so the taker can uh, at any time they can just query the smart contract and ask the smart contract, you know, what's the best price for this particular amount of token that they want to sell or buy, right? Um, and the smart contract we just you know, I do all the calculation um, and and return the the value to the end users. Um, so I would say, in terms of like functionality, it's, it's quite similar. Uh, it's just that you know here the setup and also like the trust assumption and and how uh, you know all the parties in the in the in the transaction are involved uh, different, right? Right. So. There's going to be a question I want to ask about disputes or dispute resolution as it relates to some of this. We'll get to that in a second. But you brought up the smart contracts and you've brought them up often. And as we know, as anyone who's listened to the show, there's been a wealth of information that we've been sharing over the last few months about smart contracts and their relationship to oracles. And so the smart contract uh, basically... It offers a single interface for the best available token exchange relating to, you know, from the aggregated liquidity pool, which you just talked about. So the role of the smart contract and the role of oracles is incredibly important as it relates to financial products and trades. How is, what is the oversight of the oracles on Kyber? Um, so in Kyber, we don't have the concept of the oracle, right? Uh, I mean, technically all the market makers, they are, they are feeding the price regularly right frequently to the smart contract 
and the smart contract could just pick the best price uh, to serve the taker, right? So it's, it's essentially it's an open marketplace, and and all the market makers they can um, they, they they compete, um, you know, against each other, right? Uh, so um, you know, with enough market makers being on board, uh, you know, the 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 price on Kyber will be very competitive uh, compared to even like you know centralized changes. So let me ask you, so in traditional finance, there's been phishing attempts where people have said, oh, I can sell you Apple shares for $5 when they're actually trading like, you know, $500. I know that's a very rough kind of, you know, parallel, but let's just say that people out there are trying to fish and, you know, regarding to, you know, Bitcoin, for instance, we're at 9,800 right now. And let's say that there is an OTC, there's someone out there who is saying, okay, well, we need to get volume in here. We need to get liquidity. We need people trading with us. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll post it at 9650, you know, $150 less than it is right now. And they're basically trying to fish. How do you kick that out? Right. So basically, uh, when one, okay, so the market makers, they have to have their inventory ready on the smart contract. Um, so when they say that they are willing to sell the Bitcoin at, say, 9700 right? Um, and if they say so, and if someone, like, you know, take that order from them, then the smart contract will just execute. It will take the Bitcoin from the inventory on the smart contract and send it to the taker. Um, so essentially, the, the smart contract will guarantee that, uh, you know, whatever the rate that the, the market makers promise, they will have to honor that promise uh, in, the, in the settlement. Got it. Interesting. All right. Um, so I want to discuss this a little bit too. So a connected liquidity network for decentralized cross-chain swaps across Kyber implementations works. You diagram some examples going from ETH to BAT and then BAT to DAI. So can you discuss uh, atomicity on Kyber? Is it all done in L1 off uh, of the chain or in a side chain? You know, and then as I mentioned before, I also want to talk about disputes. But let's talk about uh, atomic swaps and uh, atomicity on Kyber. How is it all done? Is it done on L1 or on a sidechain? Uh, discuss that a little bit. So currently, it's it's uh, it's all done on uh, the main Ethereum layer, right? So um, all the transaction uh, happen on the Ethereum smart contract. Um, and to guarantee the atomic city, um, all the trade, like you know, if you want to swap from uh, uh, for example, ETH to BAT, right, and uh, to BAT, and from BAT to some other token, and from some other token to say DAI, right. Uh, all of the trade must happen within one single transaction. So if any of the intermediate trade fail, uh, the transaction will get reverted. So uh, everyone got refunded, and and nothing happened. Now, would that hypothetically, if you started to see more volume on Kyber, which we obviously everyone hopes that everyone does well in the, in this space, but if you started to see more volume and you started to see more atomic swaps being done, would that potential ever slow things down? I think um, I think um, de- definitely we will reach uh, you know some sometime in the future we will, we will have that concern right, but currently. Um, the, the amount of, of trade on Kyber is is still uh, you know relatively relatively small compared mm-hmm. to the amount of transaction that Ethereum blockchain can process, mm-hmm. uh, and even when the network uh, you know gets a little bit busier, right? Uh, the the users they can always pay a little bit more uh, on the gas fees on transaction fees to process their their transaction faster, right? 
Got it. Yeah. So as I said, I wanted to talk about disputes. Um, we are relying heavily on smart contracts. Obviously, smart contracts built on Ethereum. There is Turing completeness there. There is state. There are reasons and rationales behind it. Um, but you know, as we talked about with oracles, you know, sometimes it could be very black or white. And I know that's not necessarily a great way to say things, but there is not a lot of interpretation. And that's kind of the way that it's meant to be. It's supposed to be dry versus wet kind of interpretation of law or uh, kind of uh, contracts, if you will. And so, you know, has there ever been a dispute? Um, and so let's talk about this. So all transactions have high levels of transparency, but in the examples we have talked about, for instance, one ETH for BAT and going to different reserves. What if the user taker disagrees that it was the best price? Is there any remediation or is there any dispute or dispute resolution? Is there some sort of a DAO that oversees any kind of dispute resolution? I think the nice thing of smart contract is that, um, you know, um, for, for example, for all the query from the users, from the taker, um, the rate that they see on the smart contract is uh, likely going to be the rate that that uh, you know uh, that that the trade is going to happen, right? Um, so the question is, what happens if the rate changes and the user is not aware, right? And and whether the users will raise any dispute or or things like that. Um, so one one thing in, in in Kyber is that in every trade we allow the users to specify uh, what is the minimum rate that they are willing to accept, and if the rate falls you know below that rate, uh, like worse than than the minimum rate that they are willing to accept, then the transaction won't go through, right? Um, because you know the nature of public smart contract is that anyone can always interfere with your transaction and, and to modify the state of the blockchain. So by the time that your transaction hit the blockchain, um, the, the, the rate that you query may no longer be valid, right? Um, so in, 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 in Kyber, we, um, we, we have, uh, we have the, the features to allow the users to specify the minimum rate parameter. So if the rate is different from that, uh, is lower than that minimum rate, then we just you know, cancel the transaction. And the users only lose the generation fees. Um, yeah, Got so it. that's 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 what we have uh, to prevent, uh, you know, potential disputes. Got it. And I think in traditional finance world, you know, you would go to a broker and you'd say, okay, I want to buy a thousand shares of Apple, and it has to be below VWAP. VWAP would be the type of volume weighted average out there. So you want to get the best price. You want to get it below VWAP because you say, okay, you're going to trade it in the morning at 930 Eastern Central, you know, 9 Eastern here in New York. And the market's about to open and you think that Apple is going to rip. So you want to get it below VWAP. So you call your broker, you say, I want to get it below VWAP. And sometimes they might not be able to fill that 1,000 trade, uh, 1,000 share trade, and so they might have to disperse it out over a minute or two or three or four. Um, and sometimes, you know, they might actually not be able to fill it below VWAP, and then you know there's a you know, there's a problem. It sounds like though that you've automated that process. Basically, if you can't get it below VWAP, it's just done. You can't even you're not going to do it. Right. Exactly. Yep. Got it. Really interesting. So. Another thing I want to talk about is WBTC. I've been hearing a lot about this. I don't know if we've ever really talked about it on the show. So can you tell us what WBTC is? WBTC is the, um, I would say it's a joy uh, project 
um, by many other projects in the space, including Kyber, uh, BitGo, uh, Republic Protocol, and many others, right? So the goal is to really to bring the Bitcoin liquidity um, and, and value to the Ethereum blockchain so that many other DeFi projects in the, in the space can utilize it. Um, because, you know, I think everyone is aware that Bitcoin is still the largest um, uh, in terms of value, in terms of like, you know, market cap, uh, cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. right, in the space. And, uh, you know, if you talk about decentralized trading or even like, like cryptocurrency asset management, um, you know, it, it, it wouldn't work without Bitcoin, right? You have to have Bitcoin there. Um, so that's what a lot of uh, DeFi projects in, 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 in uh, Ethereum uh, needs. And they need Bitcoin, they need Bitcoin liquidity. Um, so, you know, WBTC is really a project, is the first attempt to bring Bitcoin to Ethereum, right? Uh, and, and the approach that we use in, in, in WBTC is quite simple uh, and it's purposely made simple because we we want uh, people to understand the concept. We want people to understand what's the trade-off, uh, where they have to trust um, in, uh, you know, WBTC, right? Um, so what we do is we just um, work with BitGo and ask BitGo to be the, uh, you know, to custody the Bitcoin. Right, and to issue the corresponding amount of WBTC on Ethereum. Um, and if people want to redeem um, their Bitcoin, they can just burn the WBTC token and get back their Bitcoin from BitGo. Got it. One of the things I wanted to talk about last is something that you guys wrote about. Over time, we envision the protocol contributors, network maintainers, and community of KNC token holders working together to govern Kyber. To me, this sounds like a movement towards a DAO, which we've talked about a lot also on the show recently. Um, is that the model you're putting together for governance going forward? So we actually have a plan to introduce uh, a governance protocol for Kyber in a couple of months. Uh, we have been working on the implementation already. Uh, so the whole idea here is that we want um, you know, the broader community uh, that care about Kyber that hold, you know, currency tokens, uh, they can be part of the development of the protocol, right? They can, you know, they, they can voice their opinion, they can participate more uh, in the development, in the governance of the entire protocol. Um, and, and given that, you know, currently Kyber is already utilized by, I think, more than 80% of the project, uh, of the DeFi project in Ethereum, I think it's extremely important to have a solid and robust uh, governance protocol um, so that you know uh, people can um, the the development of of, of, of Kyber can um, I think it, it will be it will be a, a, a common job between the the broader community instead of one single team right mm -hmm. I mean uh, so far it's it's been it's been the the, the core Kyber team working on the development and and everything for Kyber. Uh, but moving forward, I think for the sustainable development of Kyber as well, we really need a, a broader, uh, you know, contribution from everyone else uh, to to make Kyber sustainable and and also last longer. Got it. Really interesting. Um, so the things that we like to do towards the end of the show is getting to know you a little bit more. We talked about your background at the top of the show, but some of the things that we like to talk about and get a sense from our guests is two things. 
any books or anything you've read recently that really resonated with you? Um, as I've said many times on the show, people within this ecosystem are very well read. Uh, there's lots of moving parts. We look at things from psychology. We look at things from obviously more of a computer science theoretic side. Anything that you've read that could be fiction, nonfiction, could be crypto related, non crypto related is is all on you know on game here. So anything that you've read, and then music. What kind of music do you listen to um, while you're working, you're traveling, whatever it may be? Whenever you have a few moments to listen to some stuff, any books that you've read or reading, anything that's really interesting, and any music that you listen to. Uh, interesting. So. I think I would um, I would like to share about a book and a movie, right? So mm-hmm. in terms of a book, uh, recently I read uh, uh, the the, uh, the 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 book name "When Bread Becomes Air." I'm not sure if you have read it, no. uh, but it's, it's it's basically a book about a, a neuron surgeon um, who, you know, unfortunately uh, got a, a terrible lung cancer, right? Um, and he shared a lot of how, you know, they practice during the medical school, um, when he become, when he does his residencies and, 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 and all the decisions that they made, uh, when, when, um, you know, when a patient comes in, they have like, to examine and, and make like, you know, fast decision for the, for the patient. And basically, you know, from, from the book, I understand like how, Difficult it is uh, to make the right decision, right? And and you know, technically, there's no right or wrong. It it is all based on you know what you perceive, uh, you know what information that you got, and and whether like you can you can uh, you can make a timely decision that you um, that 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 uh, suit well with the situation that you are having, um, and. I think in terms of a movie, um, recently I watched a, a Netflix movie. Uh, I think it's it's about Bill Gates, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, I I don't remember exactly the title, but it's something like Inside uh, Bill's uh, Mind or something. Mm-hmm. Have you watched it? Um, no, that has not been on my Netflix watching. Um, I've been all about uh, the show here called The Witcher. And uh, I think that's because I have a hole in my heart for Game of Thrones. Yeah. So yeah. So this this movie is is I mean it's fascinating, right? It's, it's basically it's talking about what Bill Gates has been up to after Microsoft. Hmm. Uh, what what are the you know major challenges, uh, major problems for uh, like world problem that he has been solving. Mm-hmm. And basically, I, I I I just feel lucky that you know <laughs> this world has uh, Bill Gates, right? And I think he, he 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 will continue to inspire many like people, many uh, young innovators, uh, problem solver yeah. uh, to continue improving the world. He has been the century's probably most prolific philanthropists out there. Um, he's obviously tried to address a lot of issues uh, with poverty, with you know, with uh, delivering of vaccines and many other different things out there. So I agree with you. He has been a prolific person within our lifetime, aside from being a founder of a company that has been very, very impactful in in technology stances. So I agree with you. I'll definitely have to check that out. 
The last thing that we'd like to do is where can people find out more about Kyber? How can they get involved? How can they start using it? Where can you tell people to go? So there are many, uh, there are several places where people can find information about Kyber. They can go to our website, uh, kyber.network. They can join our Telegram group uh, at, you know, the Kyber Network handle, right? They can also like, you know, find uh, Kyber News on, on our Twitter. Uh, also at Kyber Network Handle as well. Um, so at any time, they can raise their opinion. They can comment. They can you know create a you know a new thread on on our Reddit as well. Um, and moving forward, as I mentioned earlier, we are launching the DAO in probably April or May. Uh, so after that, there will be like you know more um, venues for them to raise their idea to debate with others community members. Uh, and you know, uh, ask others to support for their ideas, for their for their proposals. Um, so we are really looking forward to more contribution from from you know the community to improve Kyber further. Awesome. This was Loy, the CEO and co-founder of Kyber Network. And I think we had an amazing conversation, you know, as I said before, the decentralized liquidity network uh, that powers instant and seamless inter-token transactions between platforms. There's this idea, and I've been saying this more and more on the show, that we are getting to a point where interoperability is becoming real, where we've had a lot of disparate protocols and systems out there within digital assets and blockchains. And over the last few weeks on the show, you're going to hear more and more platforms that are bringing it all together so it's our there's more of a harmony there and so really appreciate you coming on loy and talking more about it hopefully we can catch up with you when the dow goes live and see how things are going and we'll be talking to you soon thanks for joining us thanks thanks a lot for having me it's been great for more notes from this past episode about our guest please go to www.ar ca slash base layer. Nothing stated on this podcast should be taken as investment advice, which would require a thorough assessment of each investor's personal financial profile and risk tolerance. Statements regarding past performance are not necessarily indicative of future returns. If you like what you're listening to on base layer, let us know. Subscribe, give us a like, or hit us up on Twitter, Arca at Arca, or myself, David Nage at David JN79. Let us know, and we'd love to obviously hear from you. For additional resources to help sophisticated listeners like yourself learn about the digital asset space in the financial terms you understand, please visit www.ar.ca for articles, market commentary, videos, and more.